0: Let us pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, would that we have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are showing to us this morning from your word, Lord. Father, we love you. We love your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have given, been given grace for this life. Help us now to hear your word, we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. morning. This is the first of a tripartite, how about that word, three-part sermon series. The first is on calling. Calling. So this morning we're going to be talking a little bit about calling. Well, there I was. It was three um, three thirty in the morning. Uh, not a soul in sight. So that's a Garth Brooks song, actually. Don't. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. Some of you know that. Literally though, it was three thirty. There was not a soul in sight, and I uh, my alarm clock went off, and it was time to, to jump in the shower and to grab my pack uh, for Colorado and my uh, small little uh, carry on luggage, uh, piece of luggage, and uh, Grant Henley, there he was at 3.45 in the morning, ready to pick me up and to drive me to the airport to go on that adventure a few weeks ago. So uh, I flew into uh, Denver Airport. I got there at 7.25 a.m., my flight left at 5.20 in the morning from Birmingham, and there I was, kind of alone in the airport with some time uh, to spare. Was able to take a train down from uh, the airport to downtown. If you've ever been to Denver, you can do that. It was great. Um, Was able to get some breakfast, kind of be by myself before our team met at noon at the airport to then drive about three and a half hours uh, to uh, uh, Buena Vista, or as the locals call it, BV there uh, in Colorado, to begin our excursion. It was a great time, of course. Overall, it was a wonderful, wonderful, uh, fulfilling time uh, for me. The first day that we were there, uh, interestingly enough, we were able to to whitewater raft and to rock climb. It was a wonderful time, though. Little did we know they were trying to get us acclimated. We didn't really know that at first. They were trying to get us out acclimated to the altitude, because you see that that next day we would be um, setting up base camp at eleven thousand five hundred feet in which I would realize that every time I had to get up to use the restroom, I would be out of breath just walking, you know, 20 or 30 yards. It was, it was intense, the altitude. Uh, and I'll, I will not forget, as I was um, uh, one of the eight rectors on this trip, we were climbing this rock face, uh, Bob's Rock, it was called, about 50 feet tall there in uh, Buena Vista, and I'm almost to the top, and I'm feeling the pressure of my congregation, saying, the other rectors, some of them have made it, and you shall not ascend thy holy hill. <laughs> and I got to the very top five feet from it, and I couldn't go any further, and I came down. And this, this bishop that was there, not Archbishop Foley, another bishop who was there, came and gave me kind of a hug, and he said, look, you can do this. So I, I did it again, and praise the Lord, was able to, um, to make my congregation proud of me and was able uh, to make it. So we finally, we move off the next day. We get on a bus, and we, um, we make our way to uh, the trailhead, and waiting for us at the trailhead are four llamas um, ready to carry about 100 pounds apiece, carry our, our uh, not our packs. We each had those on uh, between 40 and 50 pounds apiece. And there are these four llamas, and we're ready to, to saddle these llamas uh, because the rectors, of course, were split up into two, and each of us have a llama. We have to take care of during the trip, and it was, a, it was an amazing, amazing thing. But there we are hiking in to get ready for base camp. We set our things up. We're exhausted, we're tired, and then um, the real kind of retreat begins. And I will not forget that first night that we are together, we're talking about Joseph, and we're talking about calling and what it means to be a rector of a church, what it means to have been called into the ordained priesthood and to follow God into this calling. And we're talking about this, and we were having some guided conversation with Archbishop Foley and the other bishop, Bishop Trevor Walters, who was there, And we're starting to realize that some of our um, calling has kind of waned. Some of our calling has waned. I've been here five years. I was, I think, the third youngest of the rectors, the youngest being 32, the oldest being 46. And they were talking to us about the fact that our calling as ordained clergy and then our calling even as lay people, as just Christians, will begin to wane if you do not have a clarity of what God is asking you to do in your life. Because where there's not clarity, you kind of just live life and kind of shift up and down with all the winds that can take us here and there, as St. Paul says. And then one of the bishops said this. He said, I want to remind you that God, you rectors, has called you to this. He called you before the foundation of the world to do this and to be a shepherd of God's people. And I remember just hearing that, like, opened my heart and my mind again to what God had called me to do. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning, my sermon to you is very simple, and we're going to be in God's word in just a moment. But you as a Christian have a calling on your life to be a disciple of Jesus, but not just to be a disciple of Jesus kind of in this abstract way. God Almighty has equipped you and has called you by name before the foundation of the world, and he's given you his grace to find out what your giftings are, how you can use them for the church and for the world, and to actually use them. My fear as a priest is always that I, I will preach something or teach something, and it kind of won't penetrate. So let me say this again, brothers and sisters. God has equipped each of you each of you in a special way, in a very special way, to be a disciple of our Lord and to serve Him and to serve the kingdom. And part of the Christian life is getting clarity of that calling and then living into it. You know, I can't imagine uh, a Christian life, um, a Christian life that I'm going to describe in a moment, which we see a lot in church, that's a Christian life that is just Sunday to Sunday. It's coming, it's hearing the gospel, it's hearing the word preached, receiving the sacrament, and then just going on with the rest of our lives, the rest of the week, until finally, you know, we're back again Sunday. That type of Christian existence can't last. It won't last. It will not last. You will burn out at some point. some point, you'll say, why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to come and to hear the gospel, to hear the teachings of Christ, to receive the sacrament? I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm done with this. But if you have clarity on your calling and your giftings for the Christian life and you live those out in reality, brothers and sisters, I promise you will feel empowered. You will feel the Spirit working within you as you're serving. You will start to see then that the preaching, that the sacrament, that the teachings, all of these things are in fact equipping you to live the Christian life. We were able to hike um, up near um, a a mountain uh, there we weren't able to summit it uh, for a variety of reasons but we were close we were just above 13,000 feet the summit was at 14 and we 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 left at 3 40 a.m in the morning and we got to the top to watch the sunrise a beautiful thing to witness there in the mountains but as we're up on the top um, one of our leaders is telling us this He said, do you see the sun rising over these mountains in the beauty of God's creation? He said, this is perspective, isn't it? This is mountaintop perspective. We could see the valleys. We could see the sun hitting the first two 14ers that we were able to see. And as the sun hit it, and the sun, of course, is descending finally down into the valleys, he said, this is perspective. He said, but brothers, we're gonna be going back down into the valley soon. And in the valley... Is where growth happens. The growth does not happen on the mountaintops. The growth happens in the valleys. That's where the work of discipleship, that's where it's done. That's where the work of service, of utilizing your giftings as a Christian, not just on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week in your family, at your at your vocation. When you are serving in the valley, there is growth. There's growth in the valley. And then when you're able to detach some and to get that perspective, you'll see that God has been growing you and using you for the kingdom's for the kingdom's sake, I should say. Remember our reading in the Old Testament from the prophet Jeremiah. By the way, Jeremiah would go on to have, how many converts would Jeremiah have in his entire ministry? Two. Two. His scribe Baruch and Elad Melech, the Ethiopian eunuch, whom he bore witness to about about God, about Yahweh. He's writing to Judah. He has two converts in his entire life. But you know what? God came to him and called him to that ministry. And when I read Jeremiah chapter 1, and when you read Jeremiah chapter 1, let it not be this perfunctory, well, Jeremiah was writing to Judah, and this was for him, and he was an ordained prophet here, consecrated by Yahweh, and and here I am just... A Christian here sitting in a pew on a Sunday morning. No, no, no. You are part of that priesthood of all believers, brothers and sisters. Let me read his calling and remind you that you've been called. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Before I formed you in the womb, Mike, I knew you, I consecrated you. Jim, before, I, before you were known in the womb, I formed you. I consecrated you. Amy, the same for you. Lindsay, Sarah, Richa. The Lord has, in fact, called you to his kingdom and to be doing his works. Do you remember that time when you have felt the Lord um, pulling you? I don't know what your testimony is, but do you remember when the Lord pulled you or has pulled you in your life? Do you know what your giftings are? I almost was going to say in this sermon, if you don't and you want to know them, send me an email and I'd love to talk with you. I was kind of nervous that I would get like 50 or 30, maybe 100 emails, 130 emails or so. Might not get any. But if you don't know what your giftings are or how you can serve God, email me. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you. But you've been called. You know, I wonder if St. Paul was thinking about Jeremiah when he wrote in Ephesians these words. St. Paul said in our Ephesians reading, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the testament, the token to the immeasurable riches of God's grace dwell within you when you are serving him in this world. You're pointing others to the immeasurable riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon you. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You have been called by God. And we'll talk about next Sunday that you are being equipped by God, but all of this by His grace. Something we didn't deserve, but He has given to us. But finally, verse 10. Please listen as I read verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to hear your name. For you, each of you, and I'm not, I don't just get paid to say this, this is a reality for every Christian. Hear your name. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God pref- prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are we walking in the good works that he has prepared beforehand for us? Are we doing it? And if we aren't, how can we do that? We first must have a clarity of calling. So I'm going to close with two things. The first is this. As we begin this fall semester, this fall year, right? I mean, we have the liturgy in our church calendar that we follow, but we also, of course, have the liturgy of of our culture and schools in the fall and football is coming and school has already started and all of this. It's newness, and that's a good thing. But you all need to be praying and asking God, how have you equipped me? What works do you have that are out there for me to walk in? For I know that some of you might feel lonely in the faith, you might feel like you're just kind of floundering in the faith. Well, let me tell you, when you follow our Lord Jesus Christ in his grace, serving his kingdom, you will immediately feel the power of the Spirit lifting you up, encouraging you as you finally pour out your life for others. So here's the final teaching this morning, and it's a difficult one, that to follow our Lord in good works requires in some way the death of yourself it requires in some way the sacrifice of your time of yourself of your being as they were going along the road someone said to our lord i will follow you wherever you go you can just imagine the uh, the christian saying this i will follow you wherever you go yeah you just tell me i'm here i'm ready and Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nets, but the Son of Man is nowhere to lay his head. To another Jesus said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. Lord, but let me first say, well to those at my, say farewell to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, if our Christian life is lived in terms of plowing a field in front of us, working in the vineyard, plowing the field, we are called to put both hands to the plow to trust that the grace that God has given to you and to me before the foundation of the world is enough for us to follow him. and We are to keep two hands on the plow looking forward, keeping the line straight as we're plowing the earth for him to give the increase. And brothers and sisters, if you're anything like me, every moment in time there is something calling us to look back. It could be our schedules, It could be a family member. It could be our own pride, our own addiction to technology. It could be all these things that are causing us to turn around or to say, no, but I've got to get this in order first before I live a life plowing, as it were, for the kingdom, for our Lord. Let me remind you, brothers and sisters, there are good works that are out there for you to do. God has them. The question is, will you and me prayerfully ask the Lord to reveal what those things are? You know, um, there are a few visitors with us, and I don't know your name yet, and I I apologize. Hopefully I'll get to meet you soon, maybe after the service. But I I kid you not, I could look at every one of you, my beloved sheep, and see the giftings of God in you and the potential for your service in the kingdom. Unhitch yourself from the world, as it were, from your own self, from from the, the demands that the world has upon you, to live for the kingdom in your giftings so my hope is that brothers and sisters you will remember your calling as a christian to serve the lord that you have been equipped to do so and that as you follow him and live your life plowing with both hands on the plow you will not feel deserted or alone finally Because even though our Lord is saying that He doesn't have a place for His head, He also says in John that He is going to prepare a place for you and for me. There is a place for us coming. But this life is to be lived unto Him. So finally, what is your calling? Do you know it? Do you have clarity about that calling in this station of life, in this season of your life? Find it. And if you don't know what that is, ask me. Ask a fellow Christian friend, a brother and a sister. Finally, I want to close with St. Paul's words from Galatians chapter 6 as we think about calling and service to the kingdom and being involved as such. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Brothers and sisters, don't give up. You've been called You've been given the grace of God. You have been equipped for the life and work of ministry outside the walls of these church. If you trust in him, I promise you will not grow weary. You will begin to see the fruit. The question is, will we give up? Don't give up. The Lord has works ahead of you for you and for me to walk in. Let us do so for the salvation of the world.